Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Rachel Forsyth, Senior Reporter at Hort Week, and this week we are joined by two very special guests from Malem. Can you guys just introduce yourselves and your role at Malem? Thomas O'Mahony, Managing Director at Malem. Alistair Bayford, uh, Business Development Director. Fantastic. Oh, I'm so pleased to have you both on the podcast today. And in, I'm going to start in December when you won the Grand Award at Barley National Landscape Awards. You've had some time to kind of dwell on it now, I suppose, and soak it in. How did that feel to to win that award? Great, really good. No, it's an amazing, amazing uh, win. I think, I think when you look at a job way back when we started Exchange Square, probably two, three years ago, or when we looked at the concept of it, I think it was it was always that job we thought would be special. Um, and it, and to win a, an award for it was fantastic, especially after like seven years ago when we won one Tower Bridge. You know, it was um it's quite a special award, and it was it was just yeah it was it was good for us and it was good for a team because it was a lot of hard work um for a good client through COVID, and yeah to win a grand award out of that it was just the icing on the cake for last year, especially in our twenty year anniversary. It was actually perfection. You know, it was a good way to end it. Cherry on top. Yeah. A very big cherry on top it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Bit. Very much so. An apple on top. <laughs> An apple, a big apple on top. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Alistair? How did it feel for you? I, I think it's um, personified in the staff and their reaction. I think I've seen a, a picture online of, of, you know, particularly Liam and, and Michael, who are quite uh, central to, to kind of delivery. Um, their faces said it all for me. But Tom kind of, touched on it a good client you, mm. you really do need a good client that believes in a scheme like exchange or any public realm scheme as as seeing it important to invest in a in an open space mm. um you know exchange square particularly there's four times more green space um than there was when we started yeah, um sick. and that i think has played right through to what tenants are prepared to pay for for rent, knowing that they've got that resource right on their doorstep. Mm. 
So it's Exchange Square that you won the the, the award for. What do you think made that stand out against the rest of the competition? Because there was some stiff competition in that, in your categories, some amazing projects. But what do you think made it stand out? The whole concept of the design was one thing. I think it was it's different. It looks different. It's it's it it it's it's for a space of its kind. It's it's using a different lot of different materials. Um, the actual the different levels working with the different levels. But I think the most thing for it was it logistics. It, it was a very tricky project. So sitting atop a Liverpool Street station, you know, so it involved a lot of demolition, a lot of demolition of water, a lot of cutting down to the actual roof slab over the station, and then building back up in different layers so you don't take the weight off the actual roof slab. So logistically, and, and it, even though it's a, it's a square, it actually it all sits on a podium. So it's all fed yeah, from one level below, ground level, onto level one. So everything which was basically was through the site clearance, demolition, had to go back out the same way, and everything new came in the same way. So it was tri- a very tricky job. It was it and in a very quite quick speed of time. It was done probably just over a year. Oh, wow. um, so it was a really fast-tracked... Uh, project you know so but what made it good i think you've got to get courageousness for british land as, as a client they they really to go and build a square like that in the middle of london you know and it, and it had no return for them it's, it's, it's basically it's not a new building with a massive public space around it. it it's not it's just a public square in the middle of their actual broadgate estate so yeah it, as a job it was i think we knew once we saw the concept design and got involved Re- really early on in tender pre-construction stage I think it was always something special about the project and I think I get that now as I walk through I leave Liverpool Street Station every now and again and I'll always take a diversion around and you walk into it and you walk from a really busy Liverpool Street Station and you walk upstairs into it and it's just calm and it is calm and that's that's what I really like about this place you know it, it is well designed well looked after and, and, it's be- and, and we believe it's well executed yeah the quality was really good and yes there was it's a really stiff competition, yeah. you know, really stiff competition. And I think when we looked at it way, way back, when you get the kind of the announcement of who's in your categories and all the categories through, and every contractor does the same. You look at you look at who's in the categories and you kind of boil it down to it. You start minimising, okay, it's down to kind of the top 10 and you kind of think, oh, we're in the top 10, you know, and, and it is like that. You get you get excited about it. And then yeah. and then you get to the day of the awards and then you then you get all the doubts in the world now. <laughs> we're not good enough. We weren't good enough. It hasn't been delivered well enough. And yeah, you just accept. And then, yeah, when you win it, you can see the reaction on, there were some videos there about us jumping up. It meant yeah. a lot. It meant a lot to us as a team. You know, I think we, we've, we've grown a lot in the last seven or eight years. And since the last kind of the last grand award we won um, where people didn't really know who we were so we had a lot to do you kind of you won the premiership then and you had to kind of we stayed quiet for seven or eight years and then before we knew we had this kind of really good job to enter yeah yeah, yeah excitement yeah. yeah and to well to, to add to what Tom said you, you talk about the delivery aspects and the complexities and the I suppose the design and its ultimate execution if you then look at the ESG kind of elements whereby sustainability there was a thousand uh, tons of co2e reduced from reba stage mm-hmm. two to completion there was 280 tons of uh, kind of circular economy in all of the granite that was kind of recovered from a dismantling strategy so that was one of the things that was focused on quite heavily at the start was rather than just demolish it yeah. let's almost undo yeah. the construction of the original scheme by dismantling it and using a lot of Wire saws and um, lots of water, yeah. Get you know, ultimately get something that's um, recoverable and reusable. So that went up to to Sunderland to be used in bleach seating on kind of the foreshore. Oh, fantastic. Um, so th- those aspects are, are quite important, and I think 
probably weren't necessarily a common theme against our competitors. Yeah. Um, and then if you look at training and skills, uh, I think we've got what three guys that have, you know, now they're project managing um, projects of their own that mm. ultimately have cut their teeth on a project like Exchange. It's it's something that has set a benchmark for I think the industry. You know, yeah. if you look at it in its entirety, not just the quality of the job that was installed, um, some of the bits that, that go with that and which contractors must now be thinking about was central to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about some of those challenges you're facing, you kind of touched upon some of them, but they were pretty high stakes, right, if anything went wrong? Yeah, the stakes where you look at, you, you've got to understand it was sitting on top of Liverpool Street Station, so mm. all the main lines out the station. If the roof deflected even 10, 15 mil, when you were offloading the roof, the train stopped you know, if you had water ingress into the station below. And so we had, we set up monitoring points all over the actual project, which were, which were, that was your first operation, which, which was, which were um, bolted onto the actual roof of the slab. So they worked on deflection and they were monitored on a 24 hour basis. So we offloaded the slab, filled the slab back up, reloaded it uh, with the new material. And that was our mechanism all the way through. Netball Rail were there all the time. Um, yeah, there, there was proper stakeholders. And, and then on top of all the offices, looking into us, which I suppose COVID did make it easier because they were predominantly kind of half empty, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think I think definitely COVID made it easier with the actual phasing of the works because the phasing of the works had to work around pedestrian movements, bars, restaurants, etc. So it had all that and then logistics. So first thing is work with rail track, unloading everything and then trying to build everything. And then in phasing sequences, we had to build a building, we'd bring trees in, landscaping. So it was an all-in demolition, civil engineering, heavy civil engineering project with then a, a fantastic landscape on top with a building. Uh, yeah, so it had all elements of that. You know, it, it really, really, uh, yeah. One of the jobs we, you see in paper and go, we've got to win that and then yeah. we've got to deliver it. And then when you get the stage you've won the project and go, right, how do we deliver this? And, then, and you get that kind of, and it's that lovely feeling. I think I think what Malem is, we we like them logistically challenging projects, something which is a little bit tricky because a lot of our guys are, we've got a lot of landscape in our business, but we have got a lot, a lot of civil engineers. And oh, right. that's what they do. They like a challenge. Yeah. You know? so it's like you see everyone running away. Yeah, we run and we're to running towards <laughs> yeah. it. It's and, kind of that. Um, it is, yeah. It's an inherent, it's in the DNA yeah. of Malin. And that's it. And, and I thought you look at central, that central part of London, really right in the middle of Broadgate, mm. Broadgate, Liverpool Street, kind of Bishopsgate. You can look at the project around there. We've done, we've done probably two dozen projects in the last kind of 10 years. Really right, logistically challenging, you know, working in the city, working with the hours of two hours breaking on, noise on, two hours off, two hours on, and you kind of get used to it. And you kind of, it's something you just enjoy. Well, we enjoy it. We just, yeah. And it's, and it's, it's engineering at its highest degree and then landscaping, you know, because the, the biggest thing is that most of the project, the duration of the project was physically dismantling site clearance and building up. Yeah. And then really the last kind of four months, five months was when you actually put down the landscaping, the hard landscaping, finish off the water features to put soft in. Mm. That's generally what it was. So, it was um yeah it was a, it was a it was a lovely job yeah really really in, exciting job yeah. you know, I really think exciting. COVID uh, presented a, a challenge and an opportunity beyond what kind of Tom said we're a very touchy feely contractor so we like <laughs> to get out and see our supply chain yeah hold our supply chain to account um, and that was incredibly difficult because we couldn't get to Italy and Portugal and of see the Terrazzo particularly being Mate. being made yeah. so how did that work. Um, 
well, you, do, you just have to do it remotely. Yeah. <laughs> trust. Trust. Trust that the... Uh, Cameras, phones, and, and walking around factories with people with phones. And it was... Yeah. That's the only way you could physically do your quality check. So someone's material was coming over, you know, was it unchecked? It was checked by FaceTime, but you can't be touchy-feely, walking into a factory, measuring it, feeling it, does it work, does it fit? Um, that's the challenges you had, you know, on, on bringing yeah. it into the... Yeah, so it was... There was a lot of that, a lot of that. And then there was a lot of black and steel on the project, which which was something quite new. And to get the black and steel on the on the on the on the kind of the steel work and around the building, tricky, really tricky. And then again, you're working with uh, suppliers in, in Ireland, basically trying to get this black and steel, trying to get it all to blend through. Yeah, it, it, like every project, they all got challenges. Um this one just had a little bit extra quite challenges. Few, yeah, it had a lot. <laughs> and, and it was speed and the, the yeah. client wanted it finished. You know, yeah. they they wanted to really have it done while people were kind of away from yeah. the, from their offices, and when they come back, it's that wow factor. Yeah, you know? and I, definitely. Yeah, and I can't wait for this summer because really, you look at last summer. I think people started to come back to the office, and, and you had a lot of people around there. This year, you've got a new coffee shop opens in there. It's uh, the office is a lot fuller. Yeah, and I think you walk in there and kind of the next couple of months, spring, kind of April, May onwards, it will be beautiful. It's a space where people will just will just congregate. Yeah, and lunchtime, you know, mm. it's, you look at that. It's in the middle of Broadgate. Yeah, it, it is a beautiful, yeah. beautiful project. And you spoke about that kind of seven-year gap between entering one and entering another. Mm. So what is it that kind of makes you think, yeah, that's a Bali project, we're going to enter that? Um, as I think I said earlier, you've got to see it. I think once you know a design, when you see a design from the beginning of the concept, from when you've won the project, you get that wow about it. You know it's like it's got something iconic about it. I think to win a Bali Award, you've got to have, you've got to have, you've got to have the quality, the delivery, the logistics, all that. But it also has got to have something about it. And I think, yeah. and I think, like One Tower Bridge, when we won that years and years ago, it was the first time we ever entered Bali for a Bali Award. And and I remember going through, we won the Principal Award, and we were, we were ecstatic when we won the Principal Award that day on, on One Tower Bridge. Then to win the the actual Grand Award that day was just, we did not expect that whatsoever. So, no, and neither did the industry. No, <laughs> yeah. Who's this? They didn't know who we were. <laughs> Who's Malum? You know, and, we, and, we, and we are very much, we did keep onto the radar a yeah. lot, a lot. Um, and we do still. Yes, we enter every year. We enter the projects. And I think you have a feel which ones will win and which ones don't win. Yeah, um, yeah so seven, it's, it's a big gap. But, you know, it was... Yeah, it was special. I think on the twenty year anniversary, it was special. Yeah, because you know, it's been it's been it's been good growth in Malum. It has been a, a really kind of I won't say bumpy. It's been a, it's been it's been it's been a good um, progression and and trying to bring new people in and trying to get new projects, different clients. But to win a, a grand award, it is yeah, it's it's, it's it, I, I I think you see my reaction when it, when it won. I was ecstatic, you know, because it's it's good for just not for Malum. It, it's great for the for the team. Yeah, you know, it's a massive thing for all the people around us. It's good for clients and, and to and to have our client there there um who basically John Shurabat who really backed us all the way. You know, that project could have easily been shelved because of COVID, because of you know, it's given no return. And it could have been. And they and they courageously went ahead and just said, Right, build it, build it. And mm. that took courageous and, and we met him every, every couple of weeks. We walked around it. He was he's that kind of character where he's bubbly, he, he wants he wants the project to succeed. He wants yeah. everybody in that in that project to succeed. Uh, and we've just done a second another job with him over at Triant Square. Same same client, same personnel, and exactly the same. You know, we got PC last week, and the email came through of "Well done, guys. Well done." You, you you don't get that much from clients, and that is a client you want to work for, and you want to you want to bend over 
as far as you can yeah. to really kind of get that job to, to succeed. And we all wanted it to succeed, and it did. And you win a grand award, you can't. That's, that's can't the ultimate, be, you know. Yeah. The problem is now you've got to come back and win it again. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. Got, you well, know. speaking of, do you have any exciting projects in the pipeline that you can talk to us about? I think uh, Thomas just mentioned uh, Triton's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, lots of complex structures, um, kind of steam bent oak pavilions, a 400 square metre green wall on a UKPN substation. You know, what? Wow. We, we, yeah. it's a water and electric. electric. electric we, we and water. Kind of, you love that. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, I mean, for me, I think Tideway is going to be an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, free, very complex, um, new kind of embankment foreshore schemes above okay. um, the super sewer really high spec yeah really interesting in terms of levels and detailing so so that's mm. going to be a project to, and they include to they include for. working next to terms that were building structures again a, a, a lot of a real lot of technical detail on yeah. those, but they're they're probably a little bit off they're probably a couple of more years off i think yeah. before they get finished yeah, definitely. yeah. Um, there's a lot there's a lot yeah more. um fcdo so foreign commonwealth development office where okay Working there, delivering a, a kind of a courtyard scheme mm. that again is is very different actually mm. for a, a kind of an organisation or a government body like themselves to be thinking of high quality open spaces for their you know colleagues yeah. and and those that use the building. So that's going to be really. You seeing that happen a bit more now? I feel like with the hybrid working, people are trying to bring people back to the offices a little bit and maybe green space is one of the ways that they're doing that yeah i think the, the thing about a lot of the i hate to show my age now but a lot of the projects <laughs> we're actually working on now like triton square paddington we're actually 15 20 years ago we actually paved those in in gray granite now ah. and, and I'm, we're going back to projects where which i thought they'd last 20 30 years taking out the granites and actually putting in a lot of soft spaces yeah. like mm-hmm. triton was one of them examples and it, and it i would say i don't know the real statistics but probably 60% of the area is now, is now soft, um, at least. And it, and it is stunning. It's really, really cool. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is happening. I think they have to bring more green back in. Whereas if you looked at 20 years ago, hard landscaping or public spaces were predominantly really hard yeah. and predominantly very grey. Yeah, say. And, and quite transient. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You, you look at um, Bishop Square in Spitalfields. I mean, that's a project that you know we're working on right now. That was built in 2005, big mm. foster scheme. Mm. Um, predominantly lawns and and yeah. kind of footways, and now it's a, a kind of a complex mix of seating spaces within kind of soft areas, yeah. um, primarily designed to get people to stay and to right. eat and mm. to socialise yeah. and to yeah. to gather. And I think all public realm is is starting to go that way. Mm. And it's you know that I think there's benefits everywhere. Absolutely. We, we can mm. kind of draw on the. Ecology, we can talk about offsetting climate change, we can talk about real estate values or just great Health places for yeah. people to be. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's um, absolutely it. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's, it's good. And I think there's some good projects out there. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at, got a lot of projects in the pipeline tendering, and, we, and we've got probably, it's about 25, 28 projects at the moment out there. A lot of work in Batsy. We, we've done phase one, phase mm-hmm. two of Batsy Power Station. Yeah. Um, that opened just for Christmas. Project. Yeah. Um, we're now on phase 3B. 
down there, which opens in probably uh, September, October. We're on so phase. what's that phase involving? That phase is now running from the station, so basically from Battersea Power Station, the actual new Northern London line. That yeah. actually is a new public space, um, kind of upper tiers, lower tiers, through retail Amazing. to actually get to the new um, power station itself, to the actual power station. So, yeah, got 6B, which is a temporary landscape project, um, mm. which that we're now also involved in. And then Nine Elms, we're, we're on Nine Elms Linear Park for Royal Mail. We're on roof gardens at Telford Homes in the same area. Then we're at the Multiplex One Nine Nails project, which I've just come from this morning, which mm. is um, seven roof gardens, and then a huge wow. landscaping project to a, a new hotel. So yeah, there's, it's it's that Battersea area at Nine Elms. It is is a vast amount of work. You know, yeah. the next four or five years, it is it is a and it's a lot of a lot of green. There's a lot mm. of green down there. You know, it's a really high intensified of of landscape. So creating a I, I creating an environment of space and in all these new residential areas it's it's, it's yes it's, it's it's busy out there and and clients are definitely the landscape and it is is, is a big focus it's a big yeah. focus now it's just not a bit of paving on the outside a bit of a, bit, a few shrubs it is it has changed that landscape the, the clients have changed over the last 20 years and, mm. and now it's it's their big schemes and complex schemes and high quality and high yeah it's it's exciting to be in Because obviously biodiversity net gain is going to become mandatory this year. And I think some people are concerned it might be a tick boxing exercise. People are going to find ways around it. It sounds like actually developers or whoever your clients are that you're working with are really keen and passionate about the landscape and they won't see it as a tick boxing exercise. No, I don't. don't No, I think we, you know, we've, we've seen Brian come and, you know, some of our schemes have, have certainly been contributing to achieving kind of excellence uh, yeah. via M standards um biodiversity net gain i think there's numerous views about how effective it will be mm. um but when you start talking about 30-year commitments it does start to ensure that whatever's invested at the start is for the long term and mm. rather than just being this kind of short-term solution because as tom's described and even you know it makes me feel old because i've <laughs> gone in um retrofitted or removed and replenished open spaces that I built at the start of my career. Um, Full circle moment. Yeah, and you, you kind yeah. of think back then you you considered to be whatever you were doing was almost future-proofed. Mm. Um, but if schemes are only lasting 10 to 15 years, yeah, and we're talking about kind of net zero carbon and looking at full life cycle carbon, then that doesn't make sense, does it? Because you're you're mm. designing something for you know a fifty year design life. And take it back out again. Doesn't yeah. make fifteen. Mm. Um, just think of the resources involved in that. So I, I'd like to think biodiversity net gain is some kind of catalyst for long term commitments in certainly in green infrastructure. Yeah. That, that's that's for sure. Definitely, and there's some also debates about on site as for, as opposed to off site. So if you can't achieve it on site, you you achieve it off site. But if you're not providing it on site are you taking that away from the communities there or are we asking too much of the on-site uh especially in you know built up city centers do you have any opinions about that i think schemes are getting greener mm. that's that's certain yeah. you know we are seeing huge investments in in green infrastructure in urban sites certainly our commercial sites are a, a lot, lot greener. greener whereas before they were predominantly Easy, maintainable, hard spaces. If yeah, that makes sense. Now they're yeah. they're sixty, seventy percent green spaces with lots of roof gardens. With yeah, lots that, of that, that's, that's key. the big change. If, if they can't deliver at ground level, it's 
yeah. it, it's elevated yeah. in in kind of terraces yeah. and podiums. Yeah. But the the whole thing about I suppose what is a space for that that's mm. the problem. So I'm I'm a believer in that sometimes. I guess planners, master planners try to fit too much into a space and yeah. actually you end up with these very small areas of nothing because they can't really perform as intended um, because they're so isolated. Yeah. Um, but then if you look at some of the things coming forward in terms of master planning, Canada Water is green. Yeah. It, it, it's built on its public realm and it's importantly, it's existing landscape. Yeah. Thamesmead is the same. Mm. Um, you know, If you look at Elves Court, that's going to be hugely focused on the public realm rather than the building so on-site provision is certainly a focus for many yeah. developers because i think it, they see the value in it yeah um, and in projects like you look at a lot of work in the central london that bishopsgate around the kind of corporation them buildings now that the projects we've got on the desk which we've won or, or we're, we're, we're pricing the amount of terrace landscaping is, is is enormous, whereas they're not now stretching the buildings to the maximum capacity of trying to get as many desks in as possible. What you'll find is that right. to to actually get a building to actually work for the the people to come and work in there, they want terraces, they want roof gardens, and and there is lots of them now. Yeah. You know, and, and it's it's good to see. You know, it it changes the way people work. If that makes sense, you know, and and it's great to see and and. I think the good clients out there are, are, are really with it. They're, they're ahead of their game. I think, and I think British Land is, is one of them. I think, and the British Lands are the Argent of the world, but they are ahead of their game now, and they're going back and going back through all their kind of their assets and their kind of their, their spaces, like the Triant Squares, like the Paddington, all the way in Broadgate, and a lot green. It's a lot greener, and and mm. they're more welcoming. They're not they're not kind of places you just as you, as you said earlier, just transit through. I want to go from that station to my office. People will go and drift through and wander through and, and then have a coffee and relax and shit. And that's what it's about. That's yeah. what it's, it's. That's what ch- is the changing space going out there. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you if you look yeah. at Kings Cross, Malam yeah. have been involved up there for for ten years or, yeah. or so. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. whilst Granary Square was, you know, it's a heritage response. It's a hundred percent hard. Mm. Um, cold drops similarly hard. Yeah, hard. As we've delivered schemes out in the last few years, have become increasingly greener. Yeah. Um, much more domesticated. So if you look at um, Jellicoe Gardens, it, it, mm. it's very much a tranquil English country garden, mm. you know, designed by master planners, kind of Townsend with Tom Stewart Smith mm. adding that that kind of planting layer. So, you know, we, we've seen things change in 10 years and yeah. and I think that's setting the, the, certainly the tone going forwards for open space. Malim celebrated 20 years of success last year, which is incredible. What do you attribute this success to? It's been a long 20 years, that's what I say. <laughs> uh, actually, sometimes it does feel like a long 20 years, but sometimes it feels like a short 20 years. Um, success, um, I think I think, I think, think from the outside, people, I think, feel us as we want this kind of commercial, aggressive contractors who generally focus on commercial projects and et cetera. But um, it, it's just not about the money for us. We're very, mm. we always, from the very outset of what, what I kind of dreamed the company to be is it's a brand that looks good, feels good, delivers really good quality work. And and, and the, the, our little saying is we never leave a bad job behind. And I believe oh, that, I like you, that. You, yeah, and if you don't leave a bad job behind, you, you've got your you you got your clients you've got your architects you've got your engineers you've got your contractors you've got everyone moves on to the next project you know and if they if you leave that nice feeling of these guys are really good at what they do they, they're passionate about what they do 
they take it to the next job. And that's mm. the thing is it's not letting people down. Um, and that's generally what we're about. We're, we're, we, we never set we never set ourselves to grow to a certain turnover even though yes five years ago we probably set a business plan we got to you've got to start yeah. planning about it and we've done the same for the next five years but it, it's about about we just love what we do and that's that's it and keeping it very simple you know it's about delivery it's about you make sure the right right resource the right delivery the quality the procurement you get that correct get the design correct and and then and then a huge emphasis on safety you know we've got a big safety mm. team that's the big thing image is very important for us um that's really where we just keep it simple and it's just literally and and it's grown with that so yeah and i think we've got to get stage where we probably will hold ourselves we're at a turnover now probably this year we'll do 70 million it's it's making sure that everything else catches up to us the process the procedures the people we can still keep growing people within um and getting the right people into the business and then Mm. yeah yeah it's it's been a it's been an enjoyable um 20 years it has yeah. it has and it, i'm looking forward to the next 20 years you know if i'm still around you know if i'm, if I'm around <laughs> and, you, and honestly you're quite new so you yeah you so see you're, from the outside. yeah you're one of those yeah. right people who have joined yeah. the company yeah. and yeah you are fairly new in comparison to that 20 years although how long have you been at the business now 18 months yeah. 18 months i like that it's well. like 10 years when do you stop saying months i don't know it's like a baby isn't when you get two years so 18 months um yeah so at, from an outsider's perspective what what do you see well, I think I said it, but you know, who 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 are this lot that turned up at the Barley Awards and walked away with the Grand Award? Um, I mean, for me, you, this industry is very small, um, but equally, um, you have those that you wish to kind of, they set the example or you aspire mm. to be like. And it's certainly watching um, Malium from the outside when I was in a previous role, it it set a direction of travel for us then, mm. you know, that that's where we wanted to be. Um, we were certainly well on our way um, to delivering more public realm at the time. And I know when I started out in this industry 20 years ago, you had the three W's. So you had Whiting's, Willoughby's and Waterers. Um, mm. And that's all our lecturer ever used to talk about, you know, those three contractors as being, the pinnacle of the industry and and who you should be aspiring to oh, to either work for or be like and mm. my career then took a few twists and turns but you know I looked at Malum as being a business that was involved in everything that was good about the industry as in all those big flagship projects but then when I met Tom and um, met the team I suddenly realised that it was a very family focused. Um, people focused business that Mm. wasn't commercial in the sense that I I kind of thought they might be because Mm. they worked for big commercial tier ones Um, and we're very much you know that everyone's authentic in in the sense that we deliver excellence Mm. Um, and that that's starting to kind of go through everything we do yeah Um, so you know we're we're great at building things you know the quality (laughs) of the work out there on the ground is exceptional but we're starting to look at other processes. So if we deliver great work out there, why can't we deliver great processes inside? And what mm. will be our USP going forward? Because um, it won't be safety. Whilst mm. we, we treat it as an absolute priority, that's commonplace now. Yeah. Yes, we can look at innovations and improving the environment in which our colleagues work, but you know we've got to focus much more on the environment and what is our, you know, our own... Um, carbon reduction journey yeah how do we contribute back to the industry in terms of skills and training and um 
tackling that kind of diversity conundrum. There, there are all sorts of things that a bit of business like ours now needs to kind of yeah, cause you, work towards. Because I think when you're in that growth pattern, you are growing. You know, you kind of you don't know where you're going to get. To. I think you kind of you're you're you're, you're always trying to get ahead of yourself on you've just enough people to get onto the next kind of the growth pattern if that makes sense yeah. and um i think with mail I mean, i'm probably one of the biggest critical people i i i'm very critical of mail i mean in internally but I, th- I think we're never good enough and i still say today we're not good enough and i think that is always what we are winning a grand award it sometimes gives you that that satisfaction of winning a grand award at the barley and and you've you've done it you've won it but you'll wake up two three days later and go okay we've got to get on again we're, we're yeah what next? We're what's next and how can we improve how can we be better and it's constant you know i think we are we still run a very flat structure so you know we're we're very hands-on we're very out there in the, in the field I'm, I'm on sites i'm on sites probably all the sites at least once or twice a month if i can mm. and that's very much about just not about just going down and making sure we're we're doing a good job, but making sure that, that the team see us, you know, we, our mm. image is still there. We're still looking at how we feel, how we look, you know, and, and that's what it's got to be about. And, and yeah. it's and, and when you've got a lot of new people, it takes a long time for that people to rebed into the company because we are quite quick. We are the projects are quick. They are we generally are we are we're finishing one job as starting the next job. And yeah. and and I think it's we are a quite quick business. And I suppose that does it come from me? I probably am very quick. You know, <laughs> I'm very kind of it, it is that kind of speed of we want change, you know. Mm. But I think we've I think we've found ourselves now at the moment where we're at a stage in, in Malem's kind of growth where we're just, as I said, we're trying to get everything right before yeah. we move on again, if that makes sense. You know, we, you know, we've got to be better. You know, we, we, I think we are, we've got a lot to improve on. Um, yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I think we've got some really good people. And that's a big thing is people. We've got some people who've stayed and they've grown within the company. People have come in as apprentice engineers and are now about project managers and or yeah. guys starting engineers now directors. So, that's where we've got to be. The best people we have are the ones we've grown. Mm. And and that's got to keep happening. And the problem is the shortfall of people out there. It's quite hard to get yeah. the right people into the business because it's it's getting tough out there with people getting the right kind of... Yeah, I mean, yeah. the skill shortage is being felt by absolutely everybody. It How is. are you guys approaching it? How are you tackling it? it it's tough out there. And, mm. and I won't deny it. it is, is I look at the resource. We, we sit down every Monday and look at the resource for the next kind of six months or a month or whatever a week and you look ahead to see how many people you need yeah. basically delivering the work and it, it it would frighten you sometimes if you saw how many we need and you think okay where are they going to come from and mm-hmm. you know and we brought a lot we brought a lot in house we brought a lot of training in house we're growing the people within that's the big thing yeah um and really then it's a case of just getting good people in and if big people come in they will then tell their friends that these people are good to work for and that's what you've got to really look at look look after people who are working for you yeah and hopefully that kind of that that kind of murmur in the street goes that these guys are good you know look after you they look after you and and that's what we try to do look after everybody you know yeah. and, and that's the big thing that's the foregone conclusion you've got to keep the staff you've got happy growing you know we're an eot company five years four three four years ago we became an employee market trust so it gives mm-hmm. that power to the people they they can they own the company if that makes sense yeah. so we report to them and and that's hopefully and they'll see the best of that in the next few years so it's like a john lewis model so it's their company so yeah and it's a big thing you know that that all them benefits help people you know and we try to play hard work hard if that makes sense you know mm-hmm. you're trying to make sure you've got loads of events you know you, you're always going out with the staff especially younger people it's london's a we work in london predominantly got people come from all over uk into london it's i came from ireland to into london it's a scary place when yeah. you're on your own and it is so you do need to keep keep an eye on people and grow them within you know mm. and and make it a family place that they they feel happy in you know and 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 like every company you go through happy parts and sad parts because it is it is business critical isn't it you you're under pressure as a company to kind of 
to you're under pressure commercially, you're under pressure to deliver, yeah. and you're under pressure to keep the people and grow the staff. So yeah, it's it's with every business, every business is saying that you've got to, you've got to keep an eye on everything really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the challenges for us as a business is we kind of a lot of people ask where where do you sit, and we sit in this line between major civils ground workers mm. and landscape contractors. Mm. Mm. Um, so you, you've kind of got, whilst many people think that, that's great because you've got two lots of resource to access. But the people up here see it as a step down. Yeah. Where, and it's certainly not because it, it's so complex, yeah. the, the stuff we, we do. People down here look at us and think, oh, it's a commercial animal, does commercial landscape. Lot. I just want to go and work in a, in a garden. <laughs> um, and because of the way in which we want to deliver our projects... Um, if we look at the the Malian landscapes world, we want horticulturalists. Yeah. We want people that have got that um, ability to look at the big yellow dot in the sky and manage landscapes and create landscapes in a way that is driven by principles of horticulture rather than just see, do, mm. take a prescriptive specification and follow it. So mm. we do struggle, I think, because of the very nature of what, what we do. Yeah. Uh, but equally, you know, like everybody else, we've got, that obligation to attract people into the industry, um, sell the industry in what we do. And, you know, the millions of people walk through a lot of our open spaces yeah. and, and and I think probably take them for granted or have absolutely no appreciation of the technical skill that's been required to to build them. Yeah. That, that's, that's absolutely um, certain. I'd love to stand in King's Cross and question people <laughs> as they walk through it. Just yeah. To, yeah you know understand how we built it yeah yeah that's so true so was the idea between male and landscapes to try and attract those horticulturalists a bit um, more well there, there is this um so if you look at a business and how a business grows and ultimately we are in business because we price tenders um so bringing a service in-house enables you to be slightly more competitive but equally stay in control of that service delivery so you know ideally there'll be an increasing in quality because you control it fully mm. um it needed to be a different brand identity 100 um yeah. both uh, our clients and consultants watching us there's nothing worse than somebody saying the person over there in the um orange high viz uh, was laying curbs one day now he's putting trees in <laughs> um mm. that whilst it would be two entirely different individuals yeah. um we needed an identity that that kind of said we are a specialist soft landscape um, part of the business. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's got a different brand. And then, you know, aspirationally as it grows, if you're then going uh, from B to B to B to C, um, you know, client typing in Malim is going to be doing my domestic back garden, up pops Battersea Power Station. <laughs> You know, it's not going to do well for, <laughs> for business. So it, it enables us, you know, in time once we've got there to have a very um, kind of, I suppose, customer focused yeah. identity, which works with the scale of, of what that business is. So, And, it, and it'll take time. We, we know yeah. Maiden Landscapes is, is the baby in, in the, yeah. and it will take time to grow. And, and like Maiden, Maiden itself took a long time to get to where it wanted to get to. So it's, um, we're just going to, yeah, we want to grow it at the pace that we believe, you know, it can do. And Alice, Alice have been the real expert of, of, of this. It's, 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 a, it's for him to grow that business is, is, is important to Malem, you know, that mm. we, we, we see that we are 
and, and it'll bring a lot of different people into it and, and hopefully bring a, a lot of people who are used to that kind of domestic market and that kind of real soft market into a business where they're not scared of looking at a public realm project and do, yeah. and managing the whole project. You know, that that's that would be the, hopefully the yeah. success of it. You know, the people will come in into Maryland Landscapes and kind of will then kind of want to drift into running uh, iconic projects. So, yeah, it's um, hopefully yeah, that's that's the plan for it in here. Yeah, it's you know? very exciting. Yeah, it really is. It is. Talking about some of the other challenges that you've kind of faced over this 20 years, very recently, lots of challenges around, you know, material shortages, inflation. How did that feel for you guys? How did it affect you? And how are you doing now, I suppose? I suppose you look at here, we're now in March 23. I think mm. you can you can you can get a sense of that. I think the inflationary challenges have probably flattened a little bit, mm. but, you know. Um I think you look at a year ago when we were kind of coming out of COVID, we all thought we were through the kind of the worst two years of our life. And then um, <laughs> kind of got, I remember looking at February going, yeah, that, this is a good year. It's going to be a really good year. You know, we're, we're looking good and we've got some really good work and got some good margins looking ahead. And then um, and then the Ukraine war came and then all of yeah. a sudden inflation went out, of, went out of control. And and like every business, you just got to, you got to look at it. You've got to control it. You've got to look at it. You've got to, you've got to, good clients. You can talk to them about it. You know, I think you've got to be honest, honest with them. Um, some clients that you work for, it's it's the fact of life. You take a project on lump sum fixed price, you take the risk and the opportunity with that. So mm. you've just got to make sure that the controls we have in place and the kind of monthly reviews of projects and commercial reviews of projects and how you're placing orders and how you're employing people and, and wages and all that, you've got to work with it. You've got to work with it. And yeah, the last 12 months has been, it's been challenging. Yeah. And if anyone turn around and say it hasn't, it's like, wow, it's it's been as challenging as I've seen. Um, yeah. and, and I would say more challenging than COVID. You know, COVID is a different, a different kind of scenario, but financially it was challenging. Whereas in COVID, I suppose every company had had backing. You had the government backing. You had COVID, COVID kind of staff when staff were sitting at home doing nothing. But when inflation, yeah. the government's not going to put their hand in the pocket for inflation, are they? So you've won projects two years in advance based on a price priced in two years ago. So inflation was tough. But I do believe today, I think it's we're definitely seeing it. It's flattened off. I do believe it has. Yeah, it's, it's got. It's controllable now. It's a lot more controllable. Definitely. And then, and then I think that that is definitely also giving confidence to the clients that they can go start building again. Because that was the worry that the biggest risk was that everyone put the handbrake up and that all the projects just stopped yeah. because they, the clients were not willing to actually take the chance and, and grow. But I think that they're, they're some, we work with some good clients and they're, and they're all confident behind it. And I think at tender stage, you, you now go with an open an open mind to the client and go, there's certain stuff we can fix, prices, there's certain stuff we can't. And then working out some kind of negotiation of, okay, if the, if the price goes up, it goes down, we all, it's there. It's it's an open book scenario mm-hmm. so that they can see what's happening and then they can they can make the decision on risk as much as we can. So yeah, it's um it, it's it's been a it's been a tricky twelve months. Yeah. You know, it has. It's been a tricky three years, you know. We're the good thing we're all still here, you know. <laughs> grayer, grayer and older, but we're still here. You know? Yeah. Definitely. And and uh, I think my my role in Certainly, one of Tom's aspirations for the business when I joined was to diversify the the client base to give us that Huge. greater level of resilience. If you know we were to experience a similar set of circumstances yeah. again, so you know, getting well into the local authority market has has proved yeah, quite really beneficial. Good. Okay, um, you know, kind of changed the the types of projects we're delivering yeah. and the types of clients we're working for. Um, you know, complementing what we're really good at. That that's the kind of key thing. Um and then I I believe we've kind of flushed out the worst of, of that kind of inflationary yeah. risk. 
with projects that maybe you know priced in 2020 and have been delivered and then going forwards you know we're looking at jobs 2025 2026 and yeah. um the difficulty for our pre-construction team is that you're trying to give a client the best advice at this stage whether you're cost planning or returning a bid but you can't fix it you know anyone that's got yeah. a crystal ball that tells you how much things are going to cost in 2026 i want one of them but you know <laughs> you, we, as tom mm. described with we, what we're trying to do is say well for the last 20 years that material's done this yeah we can broadly um give you certainty in that but other areas we just have to identify as there's no fixed price lump sum provision here we'll have to deal with it when it when it arises um, in an open book way, so yeah, hmm. and, and also, and I suppose also for staff, we, we last year we as an EOT, which is the, the good success of, of an employment operated company trust, is that you know it it, cares, it gets paid bonuses every year. Yeah, you know we look at the board, we look at what we made, and then the, um, some money goes back into the pot and gets shared amongst the the staff. And then in January, in January, we we paid an, an allowance towards inflation, so we gave okay. everyone a thousand pound allowance tax free end of january and that does help people i think you look at really, yeah. you're trying to keep people we, we we definitely did pay rises in in july we look at them again every, every, once a year and i think that helps the inflationary issues with your staff which is always yeah. a big thing because you, you've got to keep an eye on it because it is a hard time you know whereas whereas especially and i talked about earlier about youngsters coming from kind of all around uk into london london is expensive yeah you know? the rent's expensive the travel's expensive yeah. so if we can create an environment where we aid that situation where then people it, they feel they feel protected. That's mm. where we've got to really keep that. That that's where we really got to keep ourselves on the ball with people, and then you'll keep people. People yeah. won't leave. And yeah. imagine looking yeah. after their mental health is also a huge part of that huge. as well. Yeah. What are you guys doing in that area? Um, reinventing ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we were quite pioneering. I, I'm going to say five years ago. Um, probably had. 18 mental health first aiders um, at various levels in the business. Mm. Um, and we're looking at that with a fresh set of eyes because, of course, um, the number you've got doesn't necessarily make you a better employer. Um, That's very true, yeah. No. Awareness is incredibly important. You know, everyone having an awareness of mental health, you know, what's good mental health, what's bad mental health. Um, but equally, if you put, you know, 10 mugshots up on a on a wall, you can guarantee that one of them is going to be the person that everybody goes to. Um, uh, yeah. And one of the things that I think is missing and has only really been considered um, with, you know, the courses that Perennial have developed is who's there for the mental health first aider? Yeah. What support do they get? Um, because they might be dealing with some quite challenging situations mm. from somebody disclosing some of their own troubles. So we are... Well, we certainly put a hold on what we were doing in terms of mental health first aid training so that we could really consider the appropriateness of supporting our people who yeah. volunteer to become mental health first aiders. But as Tom said, we're a very visible management team. Um, you know, the SMT and the senior leadership team are very visible out there on the ground and the health and well-being of our people is is of paramount importance mm. to us and yeah. and i think through various initiatives like dragon boat races for crashing yeah. mental health um you know world cup mm. um 
you know, we're very much involved yeah. in a number of industries. Yeah, we, we run it five sides. So. The guys play five sides every guys, guys play five sides every Tuesday. They we, we put on four pitches every Tuesday and, and teams turn up from all around the company. So so it makes that kind of nice. bonding together yeah. make sense. You know, in a couple of weeks' time we're trying to run a financial workshop where someone comes in. I'm not sure how regular we're gonna run those where someone come in and, and we say this person's in the office and they can go talk to them about their finances because sometimes oh, cool. so it's like a it's like an open door for scenario it's pure private you deal yeah. with them and, and some people get mental health a lot of people get caught because the fact they it's money it's money driven yeah, and, it's, and it's very much it's kind of under under pressure i don't know what to do i got that loan got that loan i don't know what to do how do i come out of it mm. and that's the big thing we need to put forward and, and with our new head of kind of check um Michelle Rice, who's joined us in the last kind of year-ish, um, she's got a lot of good ideas. You know, mm. we tried to run a soup kitchen this 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 January, which which just kind of got it got caught. But we want to run it next year. Mm. So after Christmas, that we provide all the guys soup twice a week. You know, for lunch, oh, so nice. that they can. It, it just creates stuff where, you know, it takes pressure off people. Yeah, that's what we've got to do, and and we take pressure off people. We got you'll keep the workforce. You know. Yeah. yeah, and of course, not everybody wants to talk to somebody that they work with either. Yeah. But you're a perennial partner, right? So that's yes. quite a good opportunity for people to go. Yeah, d- definitely, source. and and I guess there's the you know perennial partner is is one avenue of signposting. Mm-hmm. You know, we share the initiatives with colleagues. You've got Crash, who are pretty central to mm. um, the construction industry. You've got Heads Up. Um, oh, yeah. There's lots of mm. partners yeah. that we we work with to make it appropriate for for all of our staff. We've got our own kind of employee assistance program, so. Yeah, not everybody wants to run and talk to no, not to um, someone in the business. But <laughs> yeah. equally, if you're visible, yeah, um, you can gauge somebody's you can situation. Them, yeah. yeah, you know, you you kind of know when people are are down and and whether that pressure is because of of work or the particular point in a project, yeah. or whether they've got something going on at home and yeah. um, supporting people through, you know, good and bad. You know, mm-hmm. celebrating success because. You know, there's nothing worse than not getting that pat on the back when you have been yeah. Yeah. successful yeah. as as much as all the, the you know the problems people might experience. Yeah. Yeah. So and the Grand Award, I think we won, we did after about two weeks after the Grand Award, we won the Grand Award, we sent out we got cakes made, a big cake for every single site. I think it was twenty five cakes. So it went out to every single site, whether it was one cake or two cakes of sites, and, and we made the guys understand that we'd won something oh, you know nice. and so that yeah. the guys on the ground understand that you all are thank you very much for all of it so mm. yeah so we yeah. kind of yeah it was good you know it's just nothing kind of, better than celebrating the cake as well can't beat it no. can't <laughs> beat can't. it can't beat it definitely not you mentioned working with local authorities a bit more um how successful do you think the leveling up is going to be for communities and, and local spaces Interesting question. Yeah. Do I answer that honestly? <laughs> Have I put you on of course, question? I will. Yeah. Hon- hon- um, honestly, yeah, yeah. When when you look at, I guess the the aspirations of leveling up. Yeah. Um, it, I'm all for it, um, because I think there'll be huge investment in raising a kind of a benchmark, um, for everybody. But we're trying to grow the business, um, outside of London, and the one thing that we're struggling with is that benchmark and affordability we're almost seeing it in the pounds per square meter being spent on public realm so you could almost go from anywhere between two thousand pounds per square meter in london Mm. to 500 pounds in birmingham and the cost of materials aren't necessarily very different Uh, um so you can't necessarily say london is is the primary driver behind why it might cost more um, mm. because you know material labor 
is, is pretty much Very similar. on yeah. par. Yeah. Um, and similarly in Ireland, so you know we're working in Dublin, and it's it's been very difficult to break that market. Um, but certainly in the you know mainland um, UK, levelling up, I suppose is going to be seen much more between London and Birmingham with HS2, and I suppose it, time will tell if it keeps going further. Yeah, on. yeah, mm. yeah. There's some big schemes, right? Like some big cities like Manchester, some some really big planned schemes for them yeah. for them places. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think for us, focus would we go any further out? We are focused on Birmingham, focused on London. I think that's what our key thing. We worked in Birmingham before, and as, as I said, there was no difference in labour, no yeah. difference in material costs, um, and it's just to make sure Birmingham have got the aspirations to to keep going. With, and there's some that you look at the schemes at the moment. There's some really beautiful schemes being planned yeah. for them for them for Birmingham, and um, yeah, and they, hopefully they should go ahead. So what does the future hold for Malin? Where Where's your focus going to be? You've, you mentioned kind of you've reached that turnover point and you're now yeah. looking internally a little bit more, but where else? I know you're carbon neutral, right? So you're working towards net zero. Yeah. How is that going? Ed, so we're at a stage now where we're producing our carbon reduction plan. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly aligns with some of our kind of strategic clients um, and their need, or I suppose their need, it, it's inherent that our tier ones are ultimately mm-hmm. looking at the supply chain, not just mailing, um, but the supply chain to solve the net zero yeah. <laughs> um, conundrum. Um, so we are doing quite a lot of work um, in that area uh, for the business. Um, I, I can't say we're going to be fully electric by a certain date because the, the technology has got to come up. Yeah. I think it was difficult enough getting Cat6 compliant yeah. Uh, kind of telehandles out of mm. out of manufacturers um because of kind of the covid and brexit impacts but um i suppose environment's one thing social values another so mm-hmm. that's very much an area of focus particularly with our local authority work um we're, we're looking inwards so mm. you know growth we've achieved growth over the last well 20 years but particularly the last five um and we just want to make sure that we're not overstretching that very visible leadership team um, because there's only so many of us and we can only get out so much. So um, more sites there are, the the less of us they see. So it's really important we maintain that. Um, Doing quite a lot of um, research with um, Cranfield on our soils project um, because our projects are getting greener. um, We need more technical competence to to explain to our clients the importance of investing in good quality high performing soil um and perhaps the outcome of that may well benefit both ourselves and and the wider industry as we kind of get hard results for um their ability to sequester carbon their ability to contribute towards um good water management um all principles that we quote but yeah. I don't think there's enough out there to, to demonstrate the true value of it. Oh, interesting. Um, Malam Landscapes will be, you know, a focus of, yeah. Yeah, of focus. growth. And then geography and specialisms. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. we're, we're looking outside of London uh, for growth if the projects are right and they don't distract us from what we're, mm. we're doing within yeah. zones one to three. Yeah, I think, I think we look at 20 years. I think, as I said earlier, we, we are... We are looking in. I think we're trying to look at the team. It, we got we work with a company called Aspire who work on our strategic coaching, um, who work with all the leadership team and the management team to try and, to try and 
ask the questions where we're going to be in five years, where we're going to be in 10 years, who's going to be, where's the succession plan, who's going to replace us. You know, you've got to start looking at that. I'm, I'm probably one of the oldest guys there. You know, you know, it's making sure we don't run out of steam and that, that the people below can keep growing within the company. Um, geographically, as Alice said, yes, we we are focused on Birmingham. You know, we, we've gone back to back with clients up there for some projects where they've, they've, they've been awarded. Dublin was always a focus about three or four years ago. We looked at that and and we had a real good client. I put come over to see our work in in, in London and they wanted us over there. Financially, it it's it, it we're not it, it we we've now secured our first project. It starts the first of May um, for a developer for Cisk and for the developer called iPod for the LinkedIn's head office in Dublin. So really That's beautiful, exciting. yeah, really beautiful public public space. And then yeah, I suppose it's um, it's, is it growth? It's it's really making sure we're still good at what we do. You know, yeah. make sure don't focus, don't lose focus on that. Make sure you know, make sure we kind of kind of I'd say level up over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Really figure out what we want to make sure that we are better at what we do everywhere and then and then you know making sure we're not kind of that there is a lot of more substance in stuff we do and and you know environmental and carbon carbon making sure we we do look at the fact that all our vehicles will be hydrogen powered you know plants in the next kind of seven or eight years and all the all the, all the actual vans are out there are electric um yeah it's, it's just a lot there's a lot going on yeah. you know have we done great. any trials yeah. with electric vehicles we have we got we got Two of like mainland landscapes. Well, or, mainland landscapes or, or vehicles fossil, or, or, fossil fuel free. They are fossil free. Wow. Yeah, all yeah. the vans are electric. All the tools electric. Um, it has challenges without yeah. a, without a doubt because charging points are still n- just not there. Mm. You know, so we we we're getting it's getting better. I said I said the infrastructure's got to catch up. You yeah. know, you know, and and that's the big thing for us. If we can get mainland landscapes to work that way and kind of because no no fuel whatsoever that is a great a great kind of selling yeah. point and then mail and then really it's a case of it's how quick the likes of kabuto jcb can catch up with with kind of the investment on hydrogen plant you know mm. um and i saw the first jcb hydrogen plant rolled out this week so it'd be interesting to see how that works yeah. you know all our plant now is 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 category five we're fully compliant all our vehicles are fully ulez compliant and that was our big investment over the last two or three years we, we've mm. invested almost a million pound in plant every year in the last three years wow. so yeah. we've caught up we've we've really, and, and that's our big big sp is self-delivery have our own plant have our own yard have our own people have our, and that's we don't we don't have uh, we don't have any debt as a company where that's where we want to be yeah and i think that won't change that's the big thing for us mm. you know and 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 just enjoy it you know enjoy the next 20 years oh, i'm not sure i'm gonna be around but who knows you know? <laughs> i feel <laughs> I, like they'll never get rid of you Tom, they're gonna you? they'll probably wheel me out and go you've had enough it's go. <laughs> So that's the yeah, it's good, and, and I think Alistair is it's, and people like Alistair and, and kind of like to Liam, our operational director, and the newer people in our company where we can grow businesses, you know, and grow. They're yeah. the, they're they're the, they're the future of Mailham. They're the ones mm-hmm. who are going to run it and and deliver it and and be that. But for us, it's making sure that for I leave is making sure that there's a culture of of what we are about. It's that we call it the Mailham Way. What does Mailham Way stand for? And mm-hmm. and I think over the next twelve months, we're really trying to put some meat behind the Mailham Way. It's just not about. You know, we're friendly, we're culture, we're lovely people to work with. Actually, what is it? And make sure that that's embedded. You know, it's the way we look, the way we feel, the way we deliver work. And, and if we can get that right, that's going to be our big, big focus. You know, we, um, yeah, we've got, we've got a lot to do. And we're more uh, Bali Wars, really. <laughs> <laughs> I think when, when you yeah. asked me what my opinion was looking in, mm. um, when you look at a business and its future, you know, I've worked for a range of uh, businesses and, and that can be anything from a private equity back business to a, a family owned business. Mm. You you look at um an exit strategy for the owners. Um and certainly Tom and Jared have, have done exactly the right thing. They've mm. they've demonstrated to um 
colleagues within Malim that the future is the colleagues within yeah. Malim. Hmm. Um, and it's giving them and equipping them with the ability for Malim to continue um, beyond the kind yeah, of the... Um, Jared and Tom's kind of involvement in the business and that's what the future is about really you know yeah, the yeah, next yeah. 20 years are very much about the people taking that um, opportunity to, mm. to move mailing forward to the next yeah. next phase I'll be allowed to come to the Barley Awards still as, as a guest you know, <laughs> you know. absolutely but no, I'm not no, going no, anywhere no, yet. No, I, I, I can I, see him I, being I'm, a judge I've got yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they'll have me yeah you'd know? be one of the top tables yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah holding us to yeah. account <laughs> mailing's exciting it's, it's, it's yeah. we've got to hear by hard work and I think that hard work won't change it, it has to keep going we've got to look at are we excited about opportunities future projects yes i'll be excited about going to dublin excited and nervous if that makes mm. sense you know and i think if you don't have a bit of nervousness about you um i think you need to have that little kind of when you walk into a project and go okay well we got to get this done and that, that's what once we we got to keep that going and we, mm. we and the people who work for us have got to have that ability of that passion mm. once they've got the passion um and the ability we, we'll we'll grow people and that's that's what we always look for we don't look for the brightest people in the, in the room we look for the people who actually who actually enjoy what they do and, yeah, and it should be and about want to deliver good projects and we like jobs which are tricky and yeah. <laughs> and that's generally where we we put our hand up and that's and, and as, as i said earlier we're the ones who generally people are running away from we're, yeah. like, we're like the foot soldier we're running towards them and thinking right how do we do this <laughs> and yeah it's there's a lot there's a lot to do and, and they've got some really good competitors out there you yeah, know and that's the big thing which is really which is really nice and there's some good people you know there's there's some good co- companies out there who are growing growing really well the likes of frost the likes of kind of willoughby's we, we keep close to them guys and, and mm. willoughby's we can't deny Willoughby's were our soft landscape and delivery partner for a long time, even before I became Malem. And we still owe a lot to Willoughby's and, and had the greatest respect for them, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I still see, I see the future of the big projects where it needs uh, JVs like of Willoughby's and Malem joining together. I yeah. still see that as a as a big thing, you know, the real big, 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 chunky landscape mm. project. So, yeah, there's a lot to do. There's a lot. And, yeah, we want to be, and we don't want to flood the barley with loads of barley uh, entries. We want to make sure we pick the right choice, what we believe are, the best job for that year or the best two jobs for them years and that's yeah. it yeah and this year yeah we've probably got a couple we want to put forward which are completely different exciting. yeah so we'll see and i think that's where we've got to be i think we're Malem's we're still growing we're still growing at, at, not as in turnover we're still growing as as people we're still yeah. we're still new to the business i think the industry yeah. i still think we are even 20 years is still new mm. you know and um we want to make sure we are here, still here in 20 years and yeah. and and that's the problem companies do fall over and we've got to make sure that we we're not one of those and you've got to make sure you pick the right client yeah, all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to see where the next one of years take you. Yeah, see how it goes. The last question for you guys is what plant would you take to a desert island? So desert island distal doesn't have to survive there necessarily, although if you want to be extra smart and tricky, <laughs> then feel free. <laughs> I, I've uh, yeah, I think it's mine. Mine's the rose, you know. At least um, it grows. It looks beautiful. I can Any... smell it. And if and when they find me dead in my skeleton, at least I've got a rose beside me. So that's probably a, a real bad analogy, but yeah, wow. well, that's that, that's me. Yeah. Any rose in particular? Um, I like a red rose. I'm just a, per, a red but rose person. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, maybe it's a bit of romantic about me. I don't know, but that's that's what I like. I got loads of roses in my garden, and that's what I like looking after. So yeah, and yeah, I like nice. seeing them grow. I like seeing flourish through the summer and you know it's it's good and that's that's me i'm a very simple person you know yeah that's my grandparents it. grow roses so they've got a place in my heart as well oh yeah i think oh, i'd have the same yeah they're good yeah i think yeah on a desert island, they're probably not in much use to me be honest you know on a desert island, but, <laughs> but they'll 
I bet they'll, they'll bring you joy. It. They'll bring joy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they won't feed me, but they'll bring joy. <laughs> you'd, you'd think you'd take food, wouldn't you? But my, mine would be um, a, a Daphne Buller Jacqueline Postel. Um, I think plant and plant association is about memory. Um, mm. And in the depths of winter, it's um, got a fragrance like nothing else. And it just reminds me of going to my nans. Oh, nice. Yeah. Both pick very beautifully smelling plants. Plants, yeah. We need food, though. What does that say about us? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's romantic. You're happy to starve to death as long as it smells nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's it. That's yeah. it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been really interesting to chat all through those big topics with you guys. Um, and, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you for our time. I'm Rachel Forsyth and this has been the Horticulture Week podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe or follow Hort Week podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. If you are interested in producing a podcast with Horticulture Week, email us at hortweek at haymarket.com. Huge thank you again to Tom and Alistair and goodbye for now. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.